0: The point or the aspect that I really love most about being a college counselor is once we've collaborated together and we've created that good fit list that the student is just thrilled about of colleges. And if they get into any one of those colleges, um, they will just be um, over the moon about. And then I know I have done my job.
1: Hey there, my name is Lily, and you're listening to Mindful Admissions, a podcast by Strive to Learn. So there are episodes of this podcast that feel like work, where I have to listen to financial aid mumbo-jumbo for hours on end, and there are episodes of this podcast that are so fun to record that I spend a whole day editing it and and laughing and trying to record this intro without losing it. So this is like take uh, 20-something. I'm pretty sure this is the one. Uh, Anyway, if you've listened to the very first episode of Mindful Admissions, Then you're already familiar with our college counseling team and their love for helping students. Something that you maybe haven't thought of yet is that once upon a time they were students too, (laughs) students who at times royally screwed up and have grown up to be college counselors with some A-plus war stories about their academic years. So out of my own selfish desire to hear all their juicy secrets, I asked the Strive to Learn counselors to tell me about the most embarrassing or unfortunate academic memory from their time in school. Uh, Nothing was off limits, so some of this is going to get borderline, you know, concerning. (laughs) But I really wanted to give them a chance to open up to you and pass on the wisdom that can only come with age and having made mistakes. Mindfulness has a lot to do with a mindset that embraces growth, so we're all about accepting and learning from your mistakes over here. All right, I think that about covers it. Let's go to the team. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Thanks for being here today. Um... Before we get started, I figured you guys could go around and introduce yourselves to everyone who's listening. So
2: maybe let's start off with Josephine. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Lily. Hi, I'm Josephine. I am the founder of Strive to Learn, a um, small tutoring, test prep, and college admissions counseling company. So um, we help all kinds of students. And I personally love doing this because I love to connect with um, students who are at various stages and figuring out who they are, who they want to become, and just being that mentor. Um, and showing them all their options and all the wonderful opportunities that they might have because oftentimes it just looks like all doors and windows are closed and it's just about having that person to open them up and show you the way through them and then you actually realize you have a lot of choices. Um, so that's me. I also have a dog in you. I have some cats. We might hear them on the podcast later today. Uh, they love interrupting stuff. And I also love to hike, um, read books, and um, backpack and travel. I'm from Germany, speak German, Spanish, and English and i'm silly and love my coffee with film
3: hi my name is amanda i am a tutor and a college counselor at strive to learn i absolutely love my job i love uh, mentoring students through college admissions helping them find their passion um, helping them open doors that they never thought about um it's definitely the highlight of my week when I see an aha moment with one of my students that was previously feeling discouraged or wasn't connecting with their subjects at school or with their um, college applications or was feeling really anxious. Um, So yeah, so, so that's definitely what I love the most about um, tutoring and college counseling. Um, When I'm not working with students um, I love rock climbing, hiking, I also have a dog. Um, He's a rescue greyhound that I love very much. Uh, I live in London, so um, the weather is not always as good as my fellow tutors and college counselors in California, but um, I've learned to live with it. So if there's anybody listening to this podcast that wants to move someplace cold and they grew up someplace warm, can definitely offer my advice there too. Um, I was just talking about how I didn't even own closed-toed shoes when I moved to London. Um, So there's definitely a learning curve there. Yeah, I think that's it for me.
4: Hi, my name is William and I'm a tutor and college counselor as well as the academic coordinator at Strive to Learn. And uh, so I really enjoy working with students. I find that to be really uh, fun and really fulfilling work. I also really like being academic coordinator because I get to supervise the tutors and I really enjoy working closely with our tutors and helping them to grow um, and improve in their own tutoring and in my tutoring as well. I really enjoy the opportunity to help students find their own path to find where the right direction for them on their journey. And I think that's my favorite thing about college counseling and tutoring as well. Um, I am a father of a three-year-old daughter, and our house is currently uh, devoted to dinosaurs and dragons, so that's, that makes up the majority of my free time. I also really enjoy playing and listening to music, and um, I have a, a film background, uh, so I really enjoy uh, watching and analyzing and writing about and talking about movies and, and shows as well.
0: Hi, I'm Melinda Blackman, and I thoroughly enjoy being a college counselor at Strive to Learn. I also do graduate school counseling as well. I really love taking the stress away from the student and their family with the college application process by being the one who tells them the deadlines and the ins and outs. So the family and student can really enjoy uh, their senior year of high school. And I think it's so important Another aspect um, that is really important to me is serving as a mentor to the student during the college application process. I'm also a mentor at Newport Harbor High School to students as well. Uh, A little bit about me, I am a college professor. I have two uh, children, one who is a freshman in college and another who's a junior in college. So I've been through the application process with them. I have three rescue dogs. Uh, I walk dogs for the local animal shelter. I also loved a horseback ride, and I do uh, equine therapy in Newport Beach where I work with uh, disabled individuals, um, veterans who are experiencing PTSD and help them learn to uh, ride with horses and uh, and also um, how to heal as well. Uh, my name
5: is Rachel Heilbrunner. Um- I am currently a resident of Parker, Colorado. I just moved to a new house and I lived in Denver for the last 12 years before this. I was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison um, where I was a an uh, elementary education major, um, so my career started in, in teaching and it moved pretty quickly after a couple of years in the classroom, um, to, um, working for an organization called BBYO, which is a Jewish youth leadership nonprofit. Um, so I was with them for almost 14 years and, um, you know, found myself laid off during the pandemic. And I came up with, uh, you know, just trying to figure out my strengths and how I could play to them. And, um, decided to go into college counseling. Um, so that is when I found strive to learn kind of through my, my journey and the UC Irvine certification program. Um, and it's, it's been really fun to start a new career, even though it's a lot to learn and, um, but so far it's great. Um, and yeah, in my spare time, I mean, I moved to Colorado because I love the outdoors. I love to hike. Um, Last summer, I uh, f- found a new love and stand up paddleboarding, and um, yeah, I'm preparing for a wedding uh, in 11 days. <laughs> so uh, yeah, my fiance and I also like to take a lot of road trips, and um, I love international travel, but that has been, you know, obviously halted by the pandemic. So super excited to uh, put my passport to use again when when it's safe to do so.
1: You know, uh, it's so interesting to think about how we introduce ourselves. I was considering this last night as I was working on this podcast plan. Um, And I mean, you have this moment of thinking like, okay, what are the kind of three things that I want someone else to know about me? And that's so hard. I started college last fall and the first week of college is pretty much just introducing yourself to new people. Um, And I could never really decide what I wanted to say. So I was always changing up my intro. Um and that was really stressful. I wanted to take some of the stress off of you guys for this. Um, So as you know, I actually gave you a prompt to think about for today's episode. Um, What I asked you to think about was the most terrible, most embarrassing academic moment you've had in your life so far. So I know, I was thinking, I'm pretty Mm. sure no one's totally scot-free here. You all Mm. must have some story. Um, But what I wasn't expecting was this immediate, oh, From Josephine. (laughs) Josephine knew right away what story she wanted to tell. She sent me this basically an essay um, about it. I really can't do it justice. So Josephine, can you maybe share that story and, and explain why it came to mind?
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lily, yeah. When I asked you, you know, what's the due date by when do you need it? And you're like, well, kind of ASAP. I was like, okay, I better sit down and write this thing right now. Um, (laughs) uh, Also, I really love what you said about the introduction, how it's so nerve wracking to have to introduce yourself so quickly, because suddenly then that's who you are, even though, of course, there are a million other ways that you could be, which really relates to the college application process. Right. It's like, who do I like, how do I show this college who I am? Um, And oh man, now they think that's who I am but they, there's this whole other side to me. So it just reminded me of kind of how it's stressful during a podcast, stressful in a college class and stressful when you're applying to college. How do you brand yourself? Right.
1: Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um,
2: okay. So uh, like you said, I wrote you an essay instead of just one to two paragraphs or sentences as you had asked me to, because I found it tough to put a whole story just into one to two paragraphs because that's just how I am. So um, I'm going to try and keep it short. Um, it's Let's put it in a nutshell, or let's try to at least. Um, okay, so basically when I was in 11th grade, um, I um, did something really stupid. And uh, you have to know, stupid is a word I don't allow my students to use, especially not for themselves and not for others. I definitely never use it for myself either, except in this instance, I think it is um, quite um, <laughs> the, the the best like word to describe my actions. Um, let me give a little bit of context. I grew up in Germany. I'm from Germany, uh, born and raised, um, and so in Germany we have 13 grades. Um, After 13th grade you graduate and that's when you are allowed to enter university. Um, So 12th and 13th grade are really, really important. 11th grade, not as important. A lot of people go abroad. Um, It's kind of the year that you get your shit together um, and then try to, you know, once you're in 12th grade you're like, okay, gotta, gotta pay attention. So this was in 11th grade Thankfully, in that year where grades don't matter that much, because starting 12th grade, everything is cumulative all the way until the end. So that's a big deal. Um, And I decided that, well, I didn't decide, but let's just say this. I really hated history Um, with a vengeance, just never a class I liked. Um, It was just always, I was, I never got why I should care, which I see things differently now, (laughs) But back then, um, it just really was was a drag for me. I just really did not enjoy it. Um, so in our history classes in Germany, there's no multiple choice. Um, and starting 11th grade, there aren't even several short answers. Instead, you get taught how to analyze a primary source and put it in historical context with one question. That's the year that they say, okay, here's your source. And then the prompt is analyze. And then you write handwrite an essay for three hours. Um, so it's a lot and a lot of critical thinking and you have to put everything together. So, um, I felt super unprepared for this exam. I was, um, you know, feeling just really like, Oh God. And there are only three exams per semester and that's your whole grade. Um, so feeling very insecure, I decided that maybe it's a good idea to just casually leave some of my studying notes out on under the table on the floor. So I decided to try and cheat. Um, That's why I called my actions stupid in retrospect. That's, I think, (laughs) um, how I would like to categorize this now. Um, And I wrote the whole exam. It was really hard. I didn't know what I was talking about. I was trying to put this primary source into its historical context. And when you're not quite sure about the historical context, even a few notes on the floor don't really help you if you're supposed to write a 10-page essay in three hours. Um, When the teacher came around to pick him up, uh, I kind of used my foot, pushed my notes, you know, under my backpack. And she's like, what do you have there? And I was like, oh, nothing. And then she saw that I had my notes there. She was like, okay, um, we're going to have a chat about that. But she didn't really say that much and just took my exam. A few days later, I saw her in the hallways of the school. She walked past me and then she stopped and she was like, oh, hey, Josephine, by the way, you have a full hand. So I know you guys can't see me right now because I'm on pad podcast, but basically she stretched out her hand with her five fingers outstretched um, and held it in my face, kind of like a stop motion. Like you have a full hand. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, I don't understand. She's like a five, you got a five. And in that moment, like my whole world just came crumbling down because a five is a failing grade. A one is an A, Um, a four is a D. So a five is below a D. Um, It's it's the grade be- between D and F, basically, because an F would be a six. Um, and I, I looked at her and had this unspoken question in my eyes, wondering if it was the fact that I had tried to cheat, um, even though it wasn't very successful. <laughs> um, and, and she's like, oh, by the way, that's your actual grade. Um, if I don't even factor in that, you what you tried to pull off. And so I was just, um, yeah, I like tears flooded my eyes. I did everything I could to not let them overflow, but I was just so um, mortified that like, first of all, I tried to cheat and second of all, my performance had been so low (laughs) um, that even without factoring that in, I had gotten such um, a bad grade because that's not really how I um, associate with myself. Um, So I think in that moment, what was really poignant, and I still remember, I mean, this was, this was a while ago, right? This is half my life ago. This was like 16, 17 years ago. Um, and I still remember um, standing there and she saw me trying to like not cry. And I remember seeing this look on her face where she was like, whoa, she cares. Like the student actually cares. Um, and that's when I realized that she didn't know I cared right? Because like, I don't like history, didn't particularly like this teacher. We never clicked even over the years. You don't have to love everyone. Right. Um, just, you know, wasn't one of my favorites. Um, but I realized in that moment that she's a person and I'm a person and she's just trying to do her best in her job. And I'm not doing my best in my job as a student. Um, and it's really getting to me because of this result. Um, and so what I did from then on was I did not cheat again. <laughs> um, and I worked more on my studying techniques and I just worked more on, okay, so I may hate history with a passionate vengeance, but you know, what can I do to never feel that way again? Um, and to also, you know, respect that even though I don't particularly like this lady, like respect that she's also doing her job and trying to teach us something. And so I'm proud to say that over the next two and a half years um, uh, my grade slowly came up slowly. It's pretty hard to get um, A's in Germany. Um, And in the end I ended up choosing history as one of my um, four Um, final exam choices. You have four cumulative exams, three written, one oral. They're cumulative over two years. Um, So, you know, history will span about a thousand years of history, maybe a little more, Um, more emphasis on the like most recent 300 years, but still like basically back into the Middle Ages. And you have to know all of it all at once and anything could be asked. Um, And I wrote the exam and I ended up getting a two plus, which is a B plus, which is very close to an A. And Um, I felt really good afterwards. I even blanked out on it. Like it was not, it was not fun. I know I still do not like history classes. I like reading historical fiction now, but I do not like history classes. I never, you know, had a personal or deep relationship with this woman either. But in the end I managed to get a B plus. And even though all my other three big exams were A's I think the B plus is probably the one I can be most proud of because it was the hardest one for me to attain. Um, One of the things I'm really glad about is that I actually did that in 11th grade, that I tried to cheat, failed at cheating and also failed that exam because I think it gave me the kick in the ass that I really needed um, to like recognize, okay, wait, I can do better. You know, I can challenge myself to do better and that's what I'm going to try and do. Um, And I, it's so funny because with so many of my students, I, I, they actually know about this teacher. Uh, and I always wonder if I should go back and write her a letter or something, find her. I don't know. She'd be really old by now, probably. But um, her name is Frau Rosendahl, if you're out there listening. Um, and, and just thank her because in the end, she's really the one who contributed most to me becoming uh, a more critical thinker, a better writer um, and, and a better studier, I think, um, because her class was so challenging and because I wasn't doing it to please her (laughs) because we didn't click that much. I really just had to do it. There was no real like other external motivation. Um, that's usually helpful for me because I'm a bit of a people pleaser. Um, and so, you know, I think it just really taught me that, sometimes really shady situations and, and honestly, classes that are, can be a drag, they can actually be a great opportunity because growth hurts and it takes a long time. Um, but you know, if you just kind of struggle through it, and this was two and a half years, mind you, this was not one class, one semester, or anything like that. This was two and a half years stuck in this class, um, and I came out of it the other at the other end, having learned um, a lot of stuff, and that really made me breeze through some of my college classes. I have to say, um, and it just you know shows me that I have to, I get to, I have the privilege of being thankful for having these difficult classes of having these people in my life or these situations in my life that really challenged me to become a better version of myself instead of just being okay um, with kind of writing it out but not trying to better myself. So thank you for Wozendal and that was my big epic fail that I learned from. There's nothing really like
1: having a teacher just like look at you and go, what the hell are you doing right now? like that, that reset, that moment of reset is sometimes exactly what I mean, in the past, it's been exactly what I needed at very crucial moments of like, Oh, wow, okay, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. And I can be so much better than this. So that's really valuable.
4: Josephine, did you um, now when you when you realized that, you know, after that first, you know, really awful experience with the exam, that you could, um, you know, improve your study skills and and, And just come up with a better, you know, more, more, more fulfilling, rewarding, legitimate way to, you know, to get a good grade on the exam or to do well on the exam. Was there anyone, you know, whether a teacher or, or an adult or like a fellow student, was there anyone who, uh, encouraged or, or, you know, shared any study habits with you or study skills, or is it something you kind of just worked out, uh, on your own?
2: No, I just, I, I just worked it out on my own. I think I've always been better at studying on my own. Um. I mean, I like once I've studied a little bit, I like practicing with others um, to solidify and talking it out and talking it out loud. But um, no, I think it was just like, you know, like get your head out of your ass. What the hell am I doing? Um, <laughs> if I just push myself a little bit instead of laying back um, on the idea that history sucks and this class sucks and just being OK with feeling all around sucky about it. You know, so I think the, the person who really helped me the most was her by being so harsh with me about the grade I got, um, because the grade in itself would have been really harsh because for me, like, personally, that's just, um, yeah, I'd had a lot of C's and D's, but i would never had the, the five, the fights, like, really bad in Germany. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so I think, you know, me just really realizing that the class sucking wasn't a reason for me to do badly and that was the biggest thing that I shifted my mindset and then just sitting down and yeah just figuring out like how can I cram this in my brain a little more effectively and take better notes and and taking the time I think to go over my notes from class and just realizing you know just because I hear it once in class I'm not going to remember it I actually need to like review it and find a way of review that makes sense to me Um, but I think the biggest benefactor, benef- benefiting factor. in it really was um, my mindset changing that even though it sucks, doesn't mean I don't have to suck at it. That was the biggest thing.
3: I just wanted to add really quickly, this is not my anecdote for later, but I also ch- cheated in that way one time and I got caught <laughs> and it was really stupid. Uh, and obviously it was, a, it was a test and I failed. And it like I got called to the principal's office. It was like a whole thing. My parents got involved. It was like a really big deal. But the thing and I don't. Oh, sorry. I knocked over my mic. I don't think that that was um, a bad way to handle it at all because I that was stupid. I shouldn't have done that. And I it really was the kick in my ass that I needed to like study. Um, But the thing that really gets me was my teacher at the time, instead of just taking my exam and like talking to me about it later, she took my exam and in front of the whole class was like, you are so stupid. Why did you do this? And I was like, I I was in tears. I like was shocked. Like that was so embarrassing and horrible of her to do that. Um, not so much the like having a moment with me and saying this isn't right, which obviously that's the correct way to handle it. Just like the public humiliation and everyone was like looking at you. And I just had to sit there with this like look on my face for the rest of um the period. And it was just so awkward. So anyway, I just wanted to share that I also did that. And it was really stupid. And I get it. Um, I think actually a lot of students do. And a lot of people get caught. And I think it is an important like right of like, moment where you get that kick that you need. Um, So I'm glad the teachers pay attention um, too. So
1: Yeah. Yeah. The takeaway is you are not alone. (laughs) This is a common experience for people, I think.
3: (laughs) And it was the same thing, you know, put the little notes on the floor like they're not going to see it. Like what? (laughs) It was dumb.
1: Uh, Yeah. Um, So Josephine, your story was about a time from when you were a student, but there was actually a different approach from William, who was reminded of a time as a teacher. So uh, William was telling me yesterday about his experience with a student teaching project, um, which is not a familiar experience for me as I'm not a teacher, but I'll be honest, a few of the details really hit home all the same. So for everyone listening, William, what story popped into your head?
4: So I thought of a story that's actually more recent um, because I have a little bit of a hard time remembering the details of uh, my high school years. Um, it's just been a little while. And I know I pulled a few all-nighters in high school and I definitely procrastinated because procrastination is something I've had to definitely work on over time. I think I've gotten better at it, but it never completely goes away. But the the story that I'm going to tell is more recent. Uh, so to give a little context, um, I shortly after I turned 30, I decided to, to change course in my career path, and I enrolled in a teaching credential program at Cal State Long Beach. Um, I had done some reflection, and uh, I had recently met the woman who I would later marry, and through reflection and just conversations with my wife, talking about the future, what we wanted. I realized that I wanted to make a career change, so I decided um, teaching English to, to high school students, and then maybe later on uh, teaching at the college level, would be a really interesting and welcome challenge, and it would also be really rewarding. So that's that's the route I decided to go. Uh, the credential program is something I could complete in two years, and the last semester of it would be completely student teaching uh, at a nearby high school. So the semester before student teaching, so this is the second to last semester of the program, was pretty tough, um, I won't lie. I had several uh, assessments that were, were project-based. They had um, some, some hands-on components, some writing. So I had to video myself. Um, they were pretty complicated, and unfortunately, I procrastinated on them, and I had to pull a few all-nighters to, to finish by the deadlines. And those deadlines are not negotiable. They're established by the state, by the Department of Education. Uh, it's like college applications. If you don't get it in by that deadline, sorry. you know. Overall, though, I was really excited, and I was feeling a sense of accomplishment that I had made it that far into what was a pretty demanding program. Because I was also working full time and my wife and I were planning our wedding, which was more involving than I expected and stressful. Um, But, you know, I could see the finish line approaching. Um, Good times were coming up. I just had one more big obstacle to cross, which was the student teaching semester. Um, You know, this is my mindset at the time that that's all that I had left. I couldn't wait to quit the food service job I had because I had been working in restaurants and coffee shops and such for you know, most of my adult life throughout my 20s. And I was just really excited to move on to a career that, you know, was was more personally fulfilling and exciting. But um, as always seems to be the case, when I think I've got life down, and it's smooth sailing, something comes up some sort of unexpected challenge. And so for me, that was a project, uh, a group teaching project that was Towards the end of that semester, right before student teaching, so this was a group teaching project at a nearby public school, um, and this was like kind of the um, the summative or the the culminating project, you know, like the big project at the end of the semester. And so I was assigned to a group with two other students in the class. Uh, all three of us were going for an English teaching credential, and what we had to do was come up with a lesson plan. Together and then teach the lesson uh, to several classes of high school seniors. And this was a lesson about Hamlet, uh, Shakespeare's Hamlet. So we were assigned a couple scenes, if I remember right, and we were going to take turns. We weren't doing co-teaching. It wasn't like the three of us standing up in front of the class and you know, sharing the load. We took turns. So we each got two periods to teach. Uh, out, out of the six for a full day uh, and the reason that whole, all got set up is uh, one of the professors in the teaching credential department at my uh, at my school at Cal State Long Beach also was a full-time English teacher at a high school nearby so she invited us to teach her periods on this this one day that we were assigned and I thought it went pretty well for a while. Um, my group had had done a lot of working together and researching and, and we prepared what I thought was a good lesson. And I was very confident, had a great feeling about how it would go. But in the back of my mind, I was still nervous. um, Because the, the teaching credential program didn't really allow for much kind of firsthand teaching until that student teaching semester. So basically, the first year and a half, It was more like taking courses and doing simulated teaching, but not actually teaching to high school students. So I was still nervous because I hadn't actually done the thing, you know, that I was training for. So finally, the week arrived when our teaching day was scheduled um, and we were going to teach the lesson that Friday. And I don't remember exactly why, but I remember we decided to make some sort of slight change to our lesson. But that created some new work for us. We had to do some more editing to the um, the kind of script of the lesson, you know, sort of the sequence of what we we're going to go over, and we had to and the resources changed, so we had to redo our worksheets, you know, edit them, print them, cut them, all that kind of stuff that teachers have to do. Uh, so the night before, so Thursday night, um, I stayed up late you know, just kind of making sure I was ready. So I reread the scenes from Hamlet. I read the footnotes in the, you know, Shakespeare book that I had because I wanted to make sure that a student wouldn't ask me a question that I didn't know the answer to. You know, I wanted to be prepared. I wanted to have an answer to every question. I didn't want to look like I don't know what I'm talking about as, a, as an English teacher. So I also had a really hard time falling asleep because I always get nervous the night before any sort of presentation or a job interview or... You know, any sort of thing where I'm expected to speak to an audience, I, I still get nervous, even though, you know, I have more teaching experience now, I still get nervous. Um, and so, you know, I barely slept at all. When when my alarm rang the next morning, I had hardly slept at all. And I'm just not good at making it on low, low sleep. I'm, I'm a zombie. you know. Um, but I, I really tried to stay positive. I had I had a good attitude. Um, I felt like I was mentally prepared. I got to the school site early. I was the first one in my group there, and I was I was really proud of that. So the teacher whose classes we were teaching, who was also a professor at Cal State Long Beach, so she got to the school and we started setting everything up. Um, I was nervous. I felt butterflies in my stomach. Um, but I was hustling. I was really focused on what I was supposed to be doing, you know, just working to get everything set up. And so I was going to, I was scheduled to teach the first period, um, and then fifth period as well. So I knew I needed to get up, you know, I needed to be ready. I needed to be awake. And so, you know, what I do when I'm nervous, a lot of times is I just kind of make a joke. I try to make myself laugh and it relieves some of that tension. So, I was trying to do that to lighten my anxiety. And I made kind of a joke about not being a really good morning person and how I would have to get better at that to be a good teacher. Uh, So my other, you know, my fellow classmates who were in my group, they laughed. But the host teacher, the teacher whose class it was, did not. She gave me a pretty serious, stern response, something like, you'll need to work on that. And a few minutes later, she also corrected me. Uh, when I made some sort of comment about she had uh, like a USB device that she plugged into uh, our computer so that we could um, use a remote uh, on a sli- our slide presentation that we were doing for the class. And I said something like, oh, it's like a remote. And she said, it is a remote. And I just felt kind of embarrassed because I'm supposed to be an English teacher and, and she's correcting me on using like, like I'm, you know, like I'm in junior high or something. And You know, I took both of those reactions pretty harshly, and my confidence just plummeted in that moment. And I know that I should have a thicker skin in that situation. I really should, especially if I'm going to be a teacher, you know, working with large classes of high school students. But I was already having some self-doubt at that point, and that just really pushed me over the edge. So, you know, the class started, I did my best to make it interesting and engaging, but it just didn't feel natural. I felt forced. The lesson as I was teaching, it seemed a little underplanned, like we hadn't accounted for enough time and things just seemed to happen too fast. Um, so, you know, I, I did the lesson though, and then the period ended um, and, you know, I didn't teach again until fifth period. So I had a few hours where I could kind of just take a backseat seat collect myself, watch my fellow group members teach. At the same time, I knew I was going to be getting feedback, and I was really fearing that. I was going to be getting feedback from both the teacher of those classes and my professor. Uh, My professor was there observing the whole time. So these are two different... You know, authority figures, professional teachers, and I knew they were just going to rip into me. So uh, you know, fifth period came later on, and, and I and I taught with as much energy and and focus and heart as I could as I could muster, but I was just really exhausted physically, mentally, emotionally. And you know, I, I again I hadn't slept well that night and it was catching up to me. I might have even done worse with fifth period than I did with that first period, to be honest. I really tried, but I just I just don't know. Um, So, you know, I I finally got to the day was over. I went out to my car. I let out a huge sigh of relief when I sat down um, about to head home. But this, this was not the best kind of relief. This was the relief that you feel when you just finished a really hard test and you know that you probably bombed it. So I'm happy in that moment. I'm relieved in that moment. But I know that really soon, you know, something bad is coming for me. Judgment day is coming. So the next week, I need to pause and cough. I'm sorry.
1: I just did that. I also like was trying to hold in a sneeze. So you're good.
3: All this talk about sleep made me yawn because of like the empathy thing. So I was like over here yawning. Sorry.
4: (laughs) No worries. (laughs) You're good. So the next week, our first class meeting after that teaching project um, the professor invited our group to talk about our experience. You know, how did it go? Tell, tell the rest of the class so they know what to expect. So my my other two group members went first and they were just gushing about how amazing the experience was. And it just showed them that teaching is is what they're meant to be doing. And it's, it's the career for them. And so I'm sitting there just shrinking quietly as I'm listening to this. I'm happy for them, but I, you know, as they're sharing their excitement, I'm feeling like I'm going to have to fake it. Like I'm going to have to act like, you know, I just had such a great experience too, instead of sharing how I really felt. And that's what I did. Um, You know, I didn't, I didn't go over the top or anything, but I just tried to emphasize the positive aspects of what I did experience and just accentuate them a little bit more than, you know, that I needed to. But, you know, at that point, I had never felt so distant from what my goal was, which was becoming a high school teacher. Um, I just felt so far from that goal. All of a sudden, I had never felt anything like that, you know, in the first year and a half of the program. And I did get feedback from both of those teachers and it mostly confirmed my fears. Um, it was mostly areas to improve on. There was a little bit of positive feedback too. So I took that pretty hard, but You know, I I put my head down. I just really worked hard on the last part of the project, which was a 20 page reflection essay about the experience. And I was able to to get an A for the class, Um, you know, so I was happy about that. But there's more to come. You know, that wasn't the end of of things of the story. So uh, winter break came. This was a, a fall class. so Winter break arrived and student teaching was scheduled to start in January, about a month later. This would be my last semester of the program. And I just had to wait for my placement. So I'm just sitting around waiting for what school am I going to be doing my semester at, my student teaching semester. So a few weeks into January, I still hadn't heard anything uh, about my placement. And meanwhile, the seminar course for student teaching, where we meet once a week with other student teachers, the seminar course had started. And it seemed like I was the only student that didn't have a placement. Uh, So in my mind, I'm thinking, did the head of the education department at Cal State learn that I was the worst teacher in America and, you know, just kick me out from the program and not tell me Um, anything seemed possible at at that point. You know, I, I was so nervous just sitting around waiting, just wanted to know what was going on. So I finally heard from. The, the university and I got my placement at a school site a week before the semester started. So I had very little time to prepare. I only got to meet with my mentor teacher you know, the day before school started. I had no idea what to expect. I felt like the worst was coming. I felt a sense of doom and student teaching started. So at the end of, the, of my first week of student teaching, I prepared a lesson for my two junior classes Uh, So I had one freshman and two junior classes. And it was an open-ended discussion about an article that I assigned them from the ERWC curriculum, expository reading, writing course curriculum that my mentor teacher gave me to use. And the article was really interesting. It, It It asks a lot of big questions about technology and progress and how the environment was being affected by those things. I thought it was really interesting. And, you know, it brought up a lot of questions to my mind. I wasn't sure the students would feel the same way. You know, I was fearing that they would hate it. But so we have this class discussion and I'm asking some, you know, specific guided questions to get them thinking. And it's amazing because they had really compelling answers really compelling thoughts the things that they were saying were very you know smart and well thought out and taking a lot of just kind of thought and context and consideration into mind. And they also had follow-up questions of their own that were really interesting. And, you know, fellow students would raise their hands really excited to share a response. So it was a real discussion, you know, it was something I had not really experienced before from the teacher's side of it. And not even that much from the student side of it, to be honest, um, you know, genuine interest, genuine engagement from the class. Uh, the next class period of juniors was, was good too. They were a little less enthusiastic, um, but they were still really engaged and a lot more interested than I expected. Um, So, you know, throughout both of those class periods, I got this feeling of exhilaration and really being present in the moment that I've really only felt a few times in life. It was really different, really unique. Um, And just kind of thinking back to how far I felt from, you know, being equipped or ready to be a teacher you know that that experience a month before my lowest point as i thought about that this was like equally i was equally sure that teaching was a good thing for me and that teaching was what i wanted to be doing um, working with students you know um, and the rest of the student teaching semester it was really hard you know i won't lie it wasn't smooth sailing the rest of the way it was It's really challenging. It was a lot to balance. I had to do, I almost had to do jury duty during my student teaching semester, which would have been crazy. It, it, I did have to get a sub for a couple of days, but, but that's another story for another day. Um, But I was able to, you know, to finish the, the semester, earn my credential. And, you know, a lot of it was because of that, remembering that experience of that day and how exciting that discussion was. And, you know, keeping that in mind is like what is possible in, in a classroom, you know, an English classroom with high school students um, with that, that sort of curiosity and openness to ideas that teens have, you know. Um, so, you know, the, the, the end of the story, the happy ending is uh, I'm not strictly speaking a teacher now, but I found another area of education that I find equally rewarding, you know, at Strive to Learn, which is as a tutor and a college counselor and academic coordinator, um, you know, and, you know, through it all and every day, I'm still focused on how, how I can grow, you know, what I have to learn from that feeling of failure that I felt on that day when I was so tired <laughs> and not myself. So.
1: Amazing. That's, that's I mean, that's, I think a testament to the type of person who you are. And I re- I reject that you are not a teacher right now. You are absolutely a teacher. You're an incredible teacher. Um, and I, I feel I think the people who organize jury duty make sure to choose like the worst possible time in your life to give you jury duty. That's just I I think that's how it works. I'm not sure. Anybody else know how that works? Yeah, pretty sure.
2: <laughs> I think they have a calendar like, "Oh, oh, oh, this is a red hot week for that person. They're really stressed out, so send them this letter on top of it." <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: So, uh, Melinda, what what came to mind for you when I asked you about your worst academic experience?
0: Well, it was actually a repetitive problem that I had throughout high school and a bit in college. Um, When we would take an in-class essay, I would get excited about it and read through the prompt very quickly and then start off on writing an essay about what I thought the prompt was asking me. And I would read so quickly through it. I really wouldn't grasp specifically what the prompt was asking. And instead I would formulate my own essay about what I thought would be the best topic. And I would get so excited and I would get my essays back and be, um, knocked down a grade because of that, because I was always off topic and, this happened many, 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 many times, and even in college, even for take-home essays. And so finally, I realized, you know what? I have to curb my enthusiasm, read it at least, read the prompt at least twice, even under, underline the key words, so I am on topic And it's hard for me to do, but I do it. And uh, since then, I have never been marked down on an essay for being off topic, um, which I'm thrilled about. But I've actually transferred this lesson over to other aspects of my life. Um, When reading emails, uh, I will read them through twice. And I'll realize on that second read through that the message was totally different than what I grasped from that first uh, quick read through. So becoming um, really detail oriented uh, with reading of prompts, emails, directions, even with cooking (laughs) has been a a lifesaver. And it took me a while to get that message, but um, it has been very.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a uh, favorite phrase of moms everywhere is measure
5: twice cut once, so.
0: I, I, I definitely yeah. agree. Yeah, I would second that.
5: <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I, I think the most major thing that comes to mind happened when I was at the very end of my senior year of high school. Um, I'm definitely going to age myself here, but um, I graduated from high school in 1998. And so it was kind of in the early stages still of the Internet and um it was May. I, w- I had some serious senioritis and, you know, I'm partially also sharing this and admitting this because um, any, you know, senior or junior out there who's listening or even college student, um, I definitely want you to hear this and learn from it and take it seriously um, because I made a big mistake and that um, I don't honestly, I don't remember what class it was, but um, I had a paper that was due um, in the middle of May and or maybe it was even april and i was also just very busy i was involved in my youth organization i was planning a weekend long convention for my peers and that was kind of like at that point the only thing i really cared about you know i was ready for summer ready ready for college um and so you know i found some tidbits on the internet and copied and pasted them into my paper um you know i i plagiarized basically almost the entire thing I mean I think I tried to like format pieces of it so that it sounded like me but you know for the most part there were just pieces that I just fully left in there and you know and that in those days back you know that was 23 years ago so I didn't actually know about or think that you know I, I probably cited a resource and my teacher went and looked at the resource and she discovered that I had like plagiarized a large amount of the paper um I totally got in trouble for it, um, with school, with, um, my parents, um, you know, I, they probably grounded me for (laughs) a couple weeks and, you know, threatened some other things, but, um, you know, historically I'm, I'm like, I'm a major rule follower. So this was a pretty big deal for me. And it was pretty stressful because they were also kind of threatening, uh, to have me not graduate potentially and you know various things like that which felt which was just really extreme i think at the time but um but that could very well happen i mean i i think that that is a a potential consequence of something like that and maybe just because it's really the first time i had ever really done something that was so egregious like that in terms of academics that you know they let it they let it slide but oh i had some serious guilt hanging over me for a long time and it was a very good lesson to learn before going into college, um, because it, it made me realize that I needed to take this way more seriously and, you know, cite resources, um, appropriately and, um, and really not, not plagiarize. You got to write your own stuff. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much my story of my most embarrassing academic moment. Now, I actually
1: really related to the story that Amanda shared with me because it's about math and I also have challenges with math. It's never really been my thing. Um, So Amanda, what went down for you in math class?
3: So um, this story is one that I love to tell almost anyone that will listen um, that is stressed about school, not because it's a super happy story, but I think because it shows that no matter how great you think you are at school, you can still mess up Um, and that it will be okay as well. (laughs) Um, So my journey with math and the subsequent uh, hard years of high school having to do with math actually started in probably sixth grade. Um, I had a math teacher that I just did not connect with. He was a great guy, but I did not understand the concepts that I was learning. Seventh grade, didn't understand those either. Eighth grade, Super didn't understand that because I was supposed to know what was happening in seventh and sixth grade and I didn't ever figure that out and the story goes on and here we are, you know, in 11th grade I'm a junior in high school, I have always been an ambitious student always um, concerned about where I'm going to go to college am I going to be able to do something interesting. Um, high strung everyone was trying to tell me to calm down stop taking so many AP classes you don't need to take that honors one. you know you're already taking four APs don't do it um, and I'm sure that some of you that are listening can relate to that feeling of needing to push yourself harder than you probably should. Um, and some of you might be listening to me right now and thinking you were crazy don't do that. Um, so I'm sorry for the- for those of you that are listening but you might be able to relate to this as well because, I got myself in this sticky situation um, and I wasn't even in an honors math class ever. Um, so my junior year, I was taking four AP classes in honor Spanish and I was just taking one regular algebra class, um, which I thought I could totally handle. And I thought this is going to be chill. I'm going to get out of here with a B. I'm going to be happy. This is gonna be fine. And I had no higher expectations for myself than that, other than just skate by, do the ma- minimum pass the test, you'll be okay. Because um, ultimately, I was thinking even then that I was going to be studying like English or history or something in college, which is exactly what I did. But you do need to pass math to get to college. So um, so I managed to skate by first semester my junior year with a B. I think it was a B minus, but it's okay. Um, and I got to the second semester and I was really burnt out. Um, I was worried about college. Um, I was worried about AP AP exams coming up. I was worrying about, you know, all my extracurriculars. I had fully taken on way too much. And um, every day I'd walk into math and I wouldn't make eye contact with my teacher. And I refused to go to tutoring. And I was just terrified of this subject that had been daunting me since I was 11 years old. And it didn't make it really any better that my brother who's seven years older was like a math prodigy. <laughs> like he was an amazing engineer and I knew he was at UCLA doing amazing things. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, like I feel awful that I can't you know, do better in this subject that I really just can't understand what's going on. Um, so I kind of just stopped engaging in the class. I stopped raising my hand. Um, Tests would come and go, and I would fail them. And I wouldn't go to like the math makeup after school. And my teacher, who was a really lovely person, was concerned, and she, you know, wanted to talk to my my parents. And I wouldn't in- involve them either. You know, I was just like completely avoiding the situation that was so obviously going so quickly downhill. Um, and it got to the end of the semester, and I had an F. And I realized that it was too late, that I couldn't make up all the tests, and that I had genuinely failed a class. Here's me with my four AP classes. I had failed math. I was just like, I thought my life was over. I was like, all of this work that I've put in and all of my good intentions just have led me here and it's over. I'm gonna just not do what I wanna do with my life now. Um and you know, I talked to my counselor and even then my counselor was like, "Oh, you know, you might want to consider alternative options. Like you might not get into a four-year university. That was my high school counselor. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like what am I going to do? I didn't have like a college counselor like us. This was the high school college counselor um, that was just like had a hundred students or 200 students or something. And I don't think she had as much time to spend with me one-on-one. Um, And so she was just kind of discouraging. Um, And so I, you know, knew that the only option was to take summer school. So I did. And I think I got a B or something in summer school. It wasn't fun, Uh, but it was the only thing I had to focus on. So it was a lot easier to pass that class um, than when I was taking every other class, like known to man, and also trying to do something that I had never really been good at. Um, Once that was over, I kind of swore it off for the rest of my life. I was like, I'm never doing math again. I, I hate this. And I was terrified I wasn't going to get into college. Luckily, as all of us college counselors know, when you apply for colleges, there is a little special section about additional info (laughs) that you can write a great essay about the experience that you had and what you learned. And I, at the time even, wrote, you know, I learned a lot from this experience of failing. Um, I didn't even know that one person could not fail so blindly, but it was almost a blind fail. It was like I wasn't paying attention to this thing that was happening right in front of me. Um, And it definitely taught me to stay on top of my work a lot better and to pay attention to myself when I was burning out. Um, That was the big takeaway for me. I clearly couldn't handle the load that I had put on myself and really needed to take a step back but I wasn't allowing myself to do that, to focus on the broader picture. So that really taught me a big lesson just there in itself. It took me a couple of years as well to shake that feeling of, I'm not a math person. Um, I think I had labeled myself before junior year, far before that I was an English person (laughs) and that I was not a math person. And I persevered through the years of math that I continued taking um, because it kept being a requirement every year. You know, I had to take another math class. And it took a while for me to shake that feeling, but I eventually did actually when I became a tutor and I started um, helping people work through their anxieties about math. And I realized actually it wasn't math at all that was the problem. It was my approach. It was my own head block of anxiety around math that made me quote unquote, not a math person. It was because of the way I was approaching the problem. And if I could have just relaxed a little bit, and realized that this thing was not unattainable. Um, that I could have had a lot better time. I don't know that I ever would have been, maybe the math prodigy or whatever that I wanted to be, and that's okay. Um, it just wasn't something that interested me, anyways. So it's not like I needed to push myself there. But also, you know, it's interesting because that was ten years ago. I'm like dating myself, but that was ten years ago, and now. I would say I actually really like math. I think there's a lot of really great things about it. Um, It's very different than what I originally thought when I was already pre-labeling. I'm not a math person. Um, So my takeaway from that long-winded failure story is um, pay attention to yourself and and definitely don't (laughs) self-sabotage your success (laughs) before it even happens because your teachers want to help you. They want you to do well. They don't want you to fail these classes. Um, And if I had just connected with my teacher, if I connected with my parents, if I connected with myself, it would not have been so horrible. And I don't even think, you know, if if you do go through that phase of failing something over and over and over again, that's okay, too, because that's how you learn that lesson. And I did go to college, and it was totally fine. Um, And you can also do the thing that you want to do. Even if you fail math or English or whatever. Um, but it just would have been so much better. <laughs> it would have just been so much more comfortable and less stressful.
2: Um, so that's my big takeaway. Mena, sometimes I feel like we are literally the same person. <laughs> <laughs> just a few years apart because uh, just when you started your story you're like it's about math I was like "Ooh, that would have been my other epic fail because like my entire like history of ever trying to learn math was basically felt like that um which isn't true then I was like well it started in sixth grade and then you literally say it started in sixth grade I'm like oh my god for me too That's so funny. um because it really yeah. does build on itself it, it does right with math it's one of those once it once you like let go of the thread then you're tracing it and can't it' just unravels right um, but yeah, I mean for me too I mean math was the subject I just really wanted to get rid of as quickly as possible and here I am tutoring math every week and it's like how did this happen to me? My dad still like laughs out loud like you had your brother. In engineering, I had my father in engineering who was always trying to teach yeah. me stuff. Um, and yeah, I think, I don't know, I'm really inspired by your story because what you said about, you know, even when you experience failure over and over and over and you think it's this endless loop, I mean, your story shows that, I mean, you're- you're learning coding and stuff right now. I mean, you're really interested in computer science and you're getting a secondary education in that, even though you already have a degree and a job and everything, you're just really like showing that growth mindset in the STEM field, which is something you were really discouraged from. And I think that just really shows that, you know, I think anyone can do anything um, if they have the right tools I think anyone can do anything if they have the right tools. And, and that's really the key, right? Is what are the tools I need? And I know I didn't have the right tools, even though my father really tried so hard. Um, and he gave me a lot of really great tools. Um, but I think, you know, one of the tools for me was definitely growing more mature in my learning and studying habits. Um, and then like you said, also just laying it away, that pressure to do well, just at some point that didn't matter anymore because I was already in college and I had already taken the SAT. So when my SAT students asked me like, oh, can you help me with this math question? I was like, no, you don't want my help. And they're like, no, you have to. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> so I like looked it up and figured a way through it. And then You know, after a few years of that, I suddenly was able to get a high score on the math section. Something where then, of course, I wish I could go back to high school me and retake that test and get a higher score. (laughs) Um, But in the end, you know, I just I love what you said. It's not just that a one-time or a two-time failure can be an opportunity, but even if you find yourself in this failure loop over and over and over again. It's really, really important to know there's always still a light at the end of the tunnel. And this will not define you. And you can choose to let it define you in a positive way if you want to. But it does not have to define your future. It definitely isn't going to set your train tracks in a certain direction or anything like that. I mean, you're the perfect example. You're in a STEM field now, you know, um, even though you were told you may not get into a four-year. So I think like yeah. just anything is possible I, for any of you guys listening.
3: <laughs> I would also really also like to share that my freshman year of college, I got into college. I was so excited. My freshman year had to take pre-calculus. Uh, it, it was a requirement. Um, the first midterm came, got a C because I still didn't really get math, even though I had been fighting this whole time. got a C, went to my teacher at office hours and I said, Hey, like, I learned from my past mistakes. I'm not going to let this, you know, completely ruin my year and fail this class. Um, how do I do better? And she suggested a few things, you know, go to office hours, get a tutor. And then at the end, she was like, but are you sure you even really want to do math? Are you sure you really want to fight through this? And it was like kind of one of those things that got me right in the heart. I, You know, because it was almost like she didn't believe in me. She didn't. She didn't say she didn't. You know but it was almost like why are you wasting your time if this isn't your calling and it almost could have been i think really disastrous um <laughs> like you know if i had had a different um attitude going into college if i hadn't had that failure experience where i knew where i learned from that you know constant loop of negativity um i, I she didn't know me very well so obviously she didn't know my story or why i was there or why it mattered that i did take pre-calc and that i did do well um but yeah, it's it's interesting because even once you feel like you've got a handle on it, it doesn't turn around right away. Um, it took me a really long time to like gain confidence in that area and um, to feel like I could use it in a work setting or learn things that were only tangentially related. There I am, math, tangential. Um, so yeah, anyway, just a little aside as well about the after effects, even after I, you know, got out of high school.
4: Um, man, I think the point that you brought up at the end, um, is really interesting as far as, um, you know, you were able to, to, to grow from that situation and it did have, you know, a more happy ending than you probably would have expected, you know, at that low point, but at the same time, it's like, it would have been nice if it wasn't so much of a challenge. It's that, it's that interesting paradox where it's like, well, how do you learn in life? Well, from failing and from challenge and, making mistakes. So should I go make mistakes and fail? And so I can get better? Well, no, you don't want to try to do that. Right. But you know, the important thing is when it does happen, it's the, you know, it's the most productive way to actually learn and to grow, you know? And I think that perspective is really helpful. And I would imagine that's probably um, a really encouraging, thing when you share it with your students, you know, that story, that experience that you've been through to kind of just, you know, convey, you know, I, I I have lived this, like I, I went through a a really tough time like this and I was able to still go to, you know, a really good college and have a great experience. And, you know, so.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think William, you bring up a really great point. You don't actually have to try to fail because unwittingly you will accidentally you will fail. And I hate to say that because I would love it if everyone listening was perfect and didn't fail. But that's the thing is you do the best you can. You show up to school or you go to your extracurricular activity or you talk to your parents or whatever, and you're trying not to fail, but you will. And that's okay. Um, And I think that's the point of all of us sharing our stories today is to let you know that you're not alone, (laughs) that everybody does it. Um, And yeah, we, I'm sure all of us love to share our failure stories with our students to let them know that it's okay. (laughs) Um, I know I definitely do.
2: Yeah, and I think it's so interesting that, Lily, you asked us this question of all questions because it's funny, I just realized now, like, we're all talking about this and how, like, failing is a great opportunity, but, like, don't try to fail, but you will inevitably fail, but it's okay, right? But if you can shift your mindset um, to not only, like, try and be okay with failing, but to you know, this takes practice, but to actually see failing as an opportunity, it just changes everything. And, and I think like, that's what we all really try to get at with our students. Right. And that's what, um, like why we're creating this podcast. Right. And that's why we called it mindful admissions, because it's really about, you know, as, okay, this is going to sound really cliche. It's about the journey, guys. <laughs> but, you know, wow. I mean, just listening to, I know, wow, right? <laughs> she did. She, she said it. Um, just listening to you guys talking about, like, it sounds like um, all of us really are who we are today because we had a few pivotal moments where we did fall flat on our fa- face and lost hope. But then somehow figured out a way, maybe through mentorship, maybe through ourselves, whatever it may be, to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, and find the tools to still move forward, right? Um, And I think that, cumulatively, those kinds of experiences and those kinds of efforts make you who you are and make you stronger and make you an awesome person. So, like, for me, um, for me, I don't... um, regret at all that I had those challenges I'm not even like oh high school would have been easier without math and history my two horrifying subjects it's like yeah it would have been easier but I don't think I would be who I am today and I don't think I would value what I value um and I and I do I like who I am and so I'm grateful for like those challenges, academic or non-academic, because they really are opportunities, but it, it's, it's just so powerful, you know, to use your mind and your positive thinking and not just say, oh, this is great, this mistake, and not just say, oh, this mistake is great because it's not, right? It hurts. Growth hurts, <laughs> And it's okay. And it's okay to be honest with yourself about your emotions. Um, But yeah, just really, you know, we really want to create this podcast in a way that really gives all of our listeners the tools to maybe make that shift to allow themselves to, um, you know, trust the path more and to embrace uh, the things that hurt and to embrace the things that bring joy and to put it all together, to become who they are and to reflect on them. And that's really so exciting, you know, to be able to mentor um, youth in that way. So we're really stoked to be here with you all listening to us banter about this.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I, I don't want to overgeneralize and we've already said this in so many ways, but it's great that we get to spend this time talking about the worst academic moments in our lives on a podcast about how to get into college so it really for everyone listening you're going to get the perspective of you know expert counselor types uh that we have but also people real people who really understand what it's like to be a student so I can't thank you guys enough really
2: thank you thanks so much Lily awesome moderator as usual yeah thanks Lily <laughs> thank you <laughs> so good to be here
1: This conversation is a podcast exclusive, but a lot of our future episodes will be the listener-friendly versions of blog posts, videos, and live webinars. As we continue to produce episodes of this podcast, you can follow along on our website, www.strive2learn.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned for future episodes, and don't forget to subscribe. As we're launching this podcast, we'd appreciate any support you can give, including likes, downloads, shares, and good reviews. Got something you want to learn about? Ask us questions in the comments, or DM us on Instagram at to Tutoring. Get the latest updates on the college admissions world and be the first to receive exclusive offers when you subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, learn.com. Thanks for sticking around, and I'll see you next time.